Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza. This episode is a pure experiment. I thought we'd bring in Ruben Furtado. So if you don't know Ruben, him and I have known each other for quite a long time now. We are good friends. We met at Oracle. I came up in Oracle on the technology side. Um, he went in straight into the sales side. When I transferred into sales, he was actually my first sales manager. Uh, we flipped houses together in real estate. And then ultimately now we are working together here at Rockstar. He specializes in really the high-end modern real estate market. Um, and is doing very well for himself. And he really comes from, you know, I don't want to say nothing, but he, he doesn't come from a, a well-off background and had to work hard for everything that he has. So I thought, wouldn't it be cool to bring in him and then also bring in Mike DeZormo? Um, if you don't know Mike DeZormo, he's been part of the Rockstar team here pretty much from day one. Amazing guy, works with tons of Rockstar Inner Circle, real estate investors, does a great job here working with investors, um, really helped people build some amazing real estate portfolios. And Mike's uh, background is shared in another podcast. And if you haven't listened to it, he really comes from um, not a, you know a middle class or upper, upper middle class background either. Um, he shares a little bit of his story on this particular podcast, not much. We get into it much deeper on an earlier podcast. If you're interested, you can look up Mike DeZormo's story in our podcast and you'll find it there. Um, but uh, I thought, wouldn't it be cool to bring these two guys who are doing really well for themselves? They're really successful. Bring in my brother, Nick Caradza, um, who really started with his um, real estate adventures at a really young age and just pick their brains on personal development and money and their thoughts on money. So this episode is a pure experiment. There was no grand plan for this. I perhaps should have been a little bit more prepared to ask them um, questions that just kind of threw stuff at them, um, didn't prepare them for what I was going to ask them. But we ended up uh, talking about some pretty cool stuff and sharing different ideas back and forth. So I hope you enjoy it. And the idea and the, the concept behind this particular episode was just that. Let's talk about our ideas of money when we were young, how we think about it now, and personal development, how we uh, view personal development, what we went through when we were younger and where it's gotten to us at this point in our lives. And share just so that if you're going along your own journey, you can hear other people with their own um, challenges and successes and who's made mistakes and share our journeys and perhaps we can all help each other along the way. So that's the idea behind this path, uh, podcast. And if you were listening to this episode and you're on your own real estate journey, one of our books called Income for Life for Canadians is available on our website for free. And if you know someone who you think is about to explore real estate, but they're on the fence, you can share a free copy of that book with them. And the reason that particular book might be the good place, a good place to start for them is we've had so many real estate investors tell us they were on the fence about investing in real estate because all they found were different U.S. examples of properties or they were reading about investors that were outside of Ontario or outside of the greater Toronto Golden Horseshoe area. But when they read that particular book with local examples of different properties, it really got them excited that somebody in their neighborhood was having success with real estate and perhaps um, they could jump in and enjoy some of their own success in real estate as well. So if you know someone who's thinking about getting into real estate investing, whether it be a joint venture partner with you or a family member that you know is on the fence, you can share a free copy of that book by downloading downloading it at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. So that's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. You can get access to that Income for Life for Canadians book there. Books are probably the thing that have the biggest impact on my own life and my own journey. So to be able to share a book back and see if it can help someone in some way possibly is uh, really motivating and encouraging for us to be able to do that kind of thing. Encouraging for us? I don't even know if I'm speaking properly at this point, but uh, we're, we're excited to be able to offer that if, if it's at all helpful. So 
with that, let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are live. So uh, I'm just going to ask it. Nick, can you hear me? <laughs> can you hear me? My Listen, I feel obligated to ask the freaking question now. Can you hear me? Loud and clear. Okay, good. Thanks for, thanks for checking. I'm really glad that we have that out of the way. <laughs> okay, listen, um, I got to just admit something. If I, I don't know. If, can you guys smell anything in the office right now? I did when I walked in. Did you? Yeah. Also, hey, Ruben, you, you can you speak micro- inside the microphone? You have a microphone. microphone? Sorry. No, just that was, mean, that was the weirdest question, though. Can you smell? No, you, you know, the reason is because ever since I had that uh, concussion, um, it's kind of left me with a stiff neck. And now that the concussion symptoms are pretty much passed, if I get like physiotherapy done or anything on my neck, the trap muscles here seem to tense up the next day. And it tenses up in the muscles right up the my back of my neck, tense up in the muscle. You know, how you have these little muscles on the side of your skull. Right. Do you guys know that or no? Makes sense. <laughs> anyway, I didn't even know I had muscles on the side of my, they tense up. So what I discovered is if I get these little pads, see these things I on my shoulders? Yeah. These are what like my, my 80 year old mother-in-law, when she has like arthritis or something, she puts these little muscle relaxant pads on. <laughs> They're little stickers that you stick on. It's like, I think it is, is, is Ben Gay like a muscle relaxant? Yeah, I think it is. Is it? I okay. think so, yeah, yeah. Okay, anyway, I smell like an old man right now because I have oh. these patches on and they smell. But they seem to do a really good job of relaxing <laughs> my trap muscles, which relaxes the muscles on the side of my head. I know, I realize how ridiculous this is. But this is the state of life for me right now as a 46-year-old man. <laughs> Anyway, so if you smell something, that's what you're smelling. I had no idea where you were going with that. I thought you were going to say that your sense of smell was stronger since you've had the concussion. <laughs> no, my, right. sense of, my sense of smell. Okay, we better get this episode on. We better get. And I didn't have a concussion. No, I know. You just. <laughs> Listen, we got to get this on track. So the whole idea with this episode is we were going to talk about. I know, Mike, what you've been through um, over the last, I guess, twenty. 30 years maybe Ruben what you've been through Nick what you've done um, and I just thought it would be really interesting to see if I could get something around your viewpoints on personal development and on money and um, I guess could because Ruben threatened me before we started this Mike we'll start with you Nick you're gonna take off in what 30 minutes uh, yeah I gotta check I gotta check I gotta get downtown but but yeah about 30 minutes 30 minutes maybe okay. less even so I'll start uh, with Mike I guess what I'm interested to hear is you know, you're now in your late 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, when you, what were your, can you articulate, do you remember what your thoughts around money or maybe people who quote unquote had money? Because I, I know your story and just to summarize it really quickly for those who don't know, you don't come from like this big background of like upper middle class upbringing where you were just like on five star luxury vacations <laughs> as a right. kid or anything like that. Yeah. So now to the point where you're doing pretty well for yourself now, mm-hmm. w- can you reflect back? Like, do you remember what you thought of around making money or what it would take to make money back then? Yeah. I, I, geez, if I go back <laughs> to, I think 18, 19 is probably when I opened up that book. I've referred to it before. Um, it was Awakening the Giant by Tony Robbins. 
because I didn't know wealthy people. Like my area did not have wealthy people in it. I simply did not know wealthy people. But I think that book. What area was that? Uh, Runnymede and St. Clair. You know, in front of us was the railroad tracks. Uh, down the street from us was the slaughterhouses. On a bad day. Is that Canada Packers? Is Canada that the Packers. Right area? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it. completely been revamped since then. But I mean, there would be bulls or cows loose periodically every now and then. And back then, the police would walk up to it, and we could be kids in a playground, and they'd just shoot it right in the head. <laughs> I'm Sorry, sure that wouldn't happen nowadays. Yeah, no, but could you imagine that happening nowadays? Yeah, that, yeah, that's like yeah, front page. That, back then, that'd be animal cruelty, done. and the police officers would be arrested <laughs> oh, by yeah, the animal exactly. activists. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, it was a little bit different back then. But I think that was one of the books. And then somehow the vision board it came into play. And I remember I always had this vision board in my room with things that I, you know, I, I think that's how it starts, right? When you're young, it's things. You want these things because you don't understand Yeah, because we all had the picture of the Lamborghini <laughs> exactly. or whatever. And the, yeah. yeah, the yacht, the watches and whatnot. But I think as you get older and mature, it's, it's not about the things. It's more about the freedom and the experiences and the stories that you share with, you know, your family and friends and whatnot. So I think back then it was, yeah, it was, it was a book and a vision board that got me started. And what was it in the Tony Robbins book? Uh, I can't believe you read that book. That is a mm. thick book. It is. Yeah. I listened to all the personal power stuff. I think it was personal power Two by Tony mm. Robbins that yeah. really changed my life. Our mom had the tapes signed out from the library, mm-hmm. I guess, and we could borrow them and listen to those tapes. Um, and then Ruben, I know you listened to those tapes as well. I want to ask you about that in a second, but do you remember from that book? Was there anything that just kind of changed? Like, did it make you think, oh my gosh, I can accomplish anything I want in my life or <laughs> as, what, what was, yeah. what was the change? As airy as that sounds, I think that was it, believe it or not. Yeah. Cause I went down that rabbit hole as well. Personal power, unlimited power, went to one of the events as well. The Tony so, Robbins events. Yep, yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Walked on the coal. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. What do you think? Um, it took to have money when you were young. Cause I mean, when, when Nick and yeah. I were young, I used to, I didn't really understand what it took to, I didn't see people who like bought investment properties. I didn't know people who were living in, I guess, Ruben, I'm looking at you now, like buying three, $4 million houses. Like I didn't know these people. So my concept of who had money and who didn't have money, I didn't, Nick and I, we didn't really have those role models either. Mm-hmm. So did you have any concepts of like what it took to make some good money in your life? Back then, it was just working hard yeah, for, that me. Was it for me. Yeah, too. yeah. I remember okay. in high school, I would start at a gas station seven in the morning on a Saturday and finish seven in the morning on a Sunday. It was a twenty-four hour shift. Remember that on the I corner, yeah, right beside your house. How'd you stay awake? Barely. How? But what did you do? Drugs? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't even think I was doing coffee back then either. What? So what? How old were you? Uh, so I was in high school with 16, 17. Yeah, so it's easier to push through at yeah, that true, age, right? True. You can push through. <laughs> For sure. So, cause I had a couple episodes where I was out, you know, drinking till late and then somehow after like three hours of, of, of sleep, I could get up and work for like 10, yeah. 10 hour shift. And now if I tried to do that, right. my God, there's no, I couldn't do 30 minutes of something. <laughs> yeah. So that was a full serve gas station. So you do the regular people's cars and then you do the taxi cabs with the taxi cab drivers you do in propane. And I remember they would tip you. And that was huge. It might only be a dollar, might mm-hmm. only be 50 cents. But when you get that tip, you're like, wow, I'm in the money. <laughs> How much did you make on tips? <laughs> Not much. No. <laughs> was it, was Six, it like, seven bucks. It wasn't like bartending? Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, that's a whole new level. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Since we, uh, we got, uh, Nick brought up the bartending, when it comes to bartending, you know how many people's skills you picked up and sales skills? Did you learn? How, did you realize how much you were learning as a bartender? Because you've parlayed all of that into what you're doing now, working with investors. Right. Like your social skills and your people skills, you probably honed those as a bartender. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Never thought about it that way, but yeah, you're absolutely right. Because I'm sure you saw all kinds of characters come through. Which bar were you? were all downtown and then you were in Niagara. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, okay. So one other thing just about the money uh, topic, Mike, uh, for you is if you had to look back at your, um, so you're in your late 40s now, if you had to look back at yourself at 21 years old, what would you tell that Mike about making money? Yeah, you got me. Because I don't think I would have done anything any different. Because I would have had a different result. So I, d- I don't know what I would have said back then. Because back then it was just hard work and it parlayed into every every other career that I've chosen. It was just hard work. And I feel that that's what led to more wealth. And that's being interesting able to that you're saying because I, I wonder if how many people today believe, because you, you've said hard work a few times now. Mm-hmm. I wonder how many people today believe hard work is the path to making money. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people I speak to, and I don't, I don't mean this as a statement that covers everybody, obviously, mm-hmm. because we meet people who hustle and work hard. But I do meet a lot of people who think that with a little bit of an app they make or with technology, you can almost hack your way to success and not put in the hard work. Like I don't meet a lot of people right now who just say hard work is the path, like you've repeated a few times. Right. I meet more people who tell me they're trying to figure out the way to make money and hard work is never really brought up in those discussions. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't mean to blanket everybody like that. I'm sure someone listening to this is like all about hard work. Yeah. It's just interesting that you've said that that many times and it doesn't really come up. Mm-hmm. Um, Ruben, I want to switch over to you. Uh, we were joking um, before this is one of the things that's always stood up with, uh, from you is that uh in order for you to make some extra money and one of your jobs, you were a security guard at Aaron Mills Town Center. That's right. And I remember Aaron Mills Town Center in Mississauga when it had the mini golf course around the center of the elevator or whatever it was. Yeah, center court. That was the, the worst court. mall and no one ever went there. I know. So what did you do? You didn't have to do anything. You just hung we out. We did. What are we talking about? Oh, yeah? Yeah, they still had stuff happening. We were in security. Actually, Mike worked there with me uh, for a year or two. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Aaron, I thought you guys worked at Woodbine. We did. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. I didn't realize. I, I guess I didn't remember the Aaron, Mill, the Aaron Mills part. Mm-hmm. But I remember when that mall opened, man, no one was there. Yeah. Well, there wasn't much development still in that area. Yeah. So that was really new. Right now, you have obviously that area. It's changed all, a lot. Yeah. Holy cow. Sorry. And I yeah. cut you off, Tom. When you, um, uh, Ruben, when you speak, can you keep your mouth at the mic and then just look with your eyes to okay. other people? All right. I just want to capture what you're saying. I'm going to go cross-eyed. No, don't look at the, the mic. You can, no one <laughs> it's like right between my eyeballs. We're getting different <laughs> mic stands. We're going to fix this problem. But anyway, I want people to hear what you're saying. Seriously. So listen, one of the things that you did always impressed me when you told me in order to make some extra money, you did what? Can you explain that story? Because um, I just want to get into your mindset on why you did that. Yeah, so it wasn't to make extra money. It was a career path. So when I was doing security there, there was an opportunity to manage that miniature golf course in the center court. Uh, it was with the same property management company. So um, And I applied for that position because I figured that would now put me on a career path to get into property management. Um, so basically... I took that job, but they didn't pay me what that was posted for that job. So the market value in the, in a salary. And they said, because I didn't have enough experience. So I took the job anyway. They gave it to me, and then I had to prove myself. And by proving myself, what I did is I had to, obviously, it was never profitable. So I had to reduce all the expenses and then also figure out different streams of revenue. The mini golf court wasn't responsible? It wasn't, no, profitable. Profitable, sorry. It was responsible. What did I say? Responsible? <laughs> out of it. Profitable. It wasn't yeah. profitable. Okay. It wasn't. Okay. So, um, in what a was very, your title? Manager of the mini putt? 
I don't know. It was, yeah. yeah it sounds like a movie. Yeah. Okay. But either way, so it? yeah, it sounds like a movie. Yeah. Ruben. <laughs> I'm Ruben. I manage the mini yeah. butt. Okay. Yeah. So long story short is I looked at where the biggest expenses were and it was in obviously salaries, labor, and then it was maintenance. So I started basically cutting back on, you know, the front line instead of me being in the back of the office, I started working the front cash and, um, and so we cut back hours and then we had a maintenance contract and it was like $12,000 a year but it was a substantial portion of the expenses. So what I ended up doing is I got rid of that. And after the mall would close around whatever, nine, 10 o'clock, I literally, in in that miniature golf course you had, basically it was like you had your sand pits and then you had your ponds. But the kids used to love grabbing all the sand and throwing it into the water, which would turn into mud. So I literally had to drain all the the, um, ponds and then literally by myself, with a shovel, take all the mud and put it into buckets. And you know how far it is from the center court to the actual, I would carry buckets of mud, put them in my car and then drive them out to the curb because that area wasn't developed yet and dump it out. And that's how we were, I basically saved them like $10,000. But eventually between that and a couple other um, marketing uh, promotions that we did with some of the vendors there, like co-marketing. Didn't you switch out the sand to something else? No, we no. replaced it with new sand. Oh, okay. Yeah, so we took all the mud out, brought new sand in. Like, I I remember, it was like probably two weeks every day after closing, just doing that, not getting paid for it. So right. when you saw little ca- kids then on the new sand oh pick it up God. and throw it in the water, were you just freaking out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay. Um, so what would you tell you? I mean, so it's you a good thing those little mini putts were made out of rubber. <laughs> so you can smash somebody with them. We're talking about little kids here. We're not going to smash a little kid. <laughs> Maybe we should do it. Uh, we should do an episode with Ruben's kids on. Oh my God. About <laughs> so what would you tell? So you were obviously all about hard work. I mean, just listening to that story, that's just pure hard work. So it, you had this hard work thing ingrained in you too. Yeah. What, so then what could you tell yourself? Like, so there's automatically just a theme here. It's like hard work. No. I, so okay. I think, I think hard work's important. And I think that is a character that you, you start to develop early on. Um, and, but I know a lot of people who work hard, you know, that have multiple jobs and still are not financially free. Right. So um, I think, uh, I think all of us in here work super hard. But you would ask the question to Mike, if I can go back and talk to my 21-year-old self, I would tell him, hey, it's not how hard you work. Because the, the game changer for me, uh, again, wasn't reading a book or anything. I think the big game changer for me was my context changing of how much somebody could potentially make in what they did. Right. So like, like Mike, I didn't, um, there wasn't anybody in my family or did we have friends or anybody that we knew that was really successful. My dad owned a business. And I saw, hey, you want to make some money and get a little bit further ahead? You have a business, right? But then you were working seven days a week. And it was all about hard work. Because if you didn't work hard when you had a business, it wasn't really going to go anywhere. But eventually, when I got into working as that manager in that, uh, in that mall doing that, I saw that the property manager was making, and I still remember this, he was making $75,000 a year. Wow, back then. Back then. And I was like, wow. So that's why I took that job. That's why I was, you know, every day after work, lugging out these buckets of mud. Because I figured that's the person I want to be. But eventually, the best thing ever happened to me is a a friend of mine, Rick, he basically made an introduction to somebody that was in, because he was in the software industry. And he's saying, hey, I can get you a sales job or a pre-sales job, like a telemarketing job in a um, software company. 
And I was going to make less money, right? And I had to drive like an hour and a half for that particular job. I didn't want it because it was new to me. I was scared. Yeah, wasn't I'm, that out in Markham somewhere? It was all the way in Markham. And there was no 407 at the time. So I was going to drive an hour and a half every single day to make the exact same money to do something I wasn't comfortable doing, right? But when I got over there and I started interviewing, because I don't say no to anything until I actually find out what are all the pros and cons. So when I went out there and then I started meeting people there that were making 150, 200,000. And then my context changed again. And I'm like, okay, I'm willing to, I'm willing to try this and do this. And I already had that hard work ingrained in me. So I knew whatever I did, and it wasn't just about hard work. It's also doing, like, it doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'm always going to make sure I do the very best of that job, right? It could be cutting the grass. I want to have my lines in a 45 degree, right, on the lawn uh, or washing it. It doesn't matter what it is. So when I went to do that job, I wanted to be the best at that job. And I, literally, they were telling me it was going to take two years to get a promotion. Well, within two years, I had four promotions. So, it, and again, always being exposed to other people who are making more money. So I, I think when, if I can go back and talk to my 21-year-old self, I'm like, hey, you know what? First of all, just believe you're going to get there. To surround yourself with people that are going to change your context. And again, continue to work hard, right? I think the, well, one of the big things, too, is the ability to delay gratification. So any of those jobs that you chose, you didn't go in at the top level. Like you worked from the bottom up. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, a big point where people, you know, want instant gratification and they may be working hard, but if they don't get it, they often feel beat up, yeah. jaded and Maybe. try something else mm-hmm. and they yeah. make that switch too quickly. Yeah. They don't give it a, you had kids when you were young. Do you think that made you work harder or you, I think I have a feeling you just always worked hard. Yeah. I don't think it made me work harder. Um, I think I made a you, lot more You had Austin when you were 20? Uh, I was 20. One. 21? Yeah. Yeah, so that it, that just maybe give you a bit more focus, but I feel like you always had that hard work. You did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, 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 yeah. It had, Mike's saying it for I, you. Yeah. Geez, I, I grew up with this yeah. guy, and uh, him and his yeah. brother were just moving furniture. It felt like seven days a week for, for yeah. his dad. I like 12 years old. But to yeah. Ruben's point, yeah, I think it's a combination, like, bo- like both of you guys said. It's like hard work's a key, right? Everyone's looking. No, I shouldn't say everyone. There's a lot of people looking for so focused on trying how to circumvent hard work that they they're kind of like they let all this time go by and they realize if they put all that effort of looking for shortcuts into just kind of trying to do something and get really good at something they would benefit that way and but it's got to be combined with what you were saying Ruben you got to work smart too so it's like a combination of everything and then to add to that you got it, Mike, where you said you need to be kind of like, there is some delayed gratification. And, mm. and, and anyone I know that's, continue, that's developed continued success, they haven't hit the home runs in their lives for, at their first swing. Do you know what I mean? They've, sure. kind of, yeah. they've kind of like just barely kind of gotten out of the batter's box and then made it seem, and then were able to get to the next level slowly. And then all of a sudden, as they're playing the game, they hit this home run. And they're like, holy shit, that worked out really well. And then they're on to the next thing. So it's like, it's just this kind of combination. And I think, you know, so often people are like, you always ask for like, well, what's the one thing? Like, what's, what's the thing that I need to do? And, and there isn't one thing. There's like five things, you know, there's, you gotta, you gotta, there's delayed gratification. There's work involved. There's, there's thinking about what you're doing because if you just are a hard worker and all you think about is just moving the furniture that you're moving when you were, when you were younger, Ruben, then that's not going to work out too well. But if you want to be the best mover ever so that you can then own your own moving company and hire other guys, and you know, then that might get you to kind of a, a different level financially too. So there's got to be like, it's, 
there's all these pieces that kind of have to come into play. And I think sometimes, you know, people are looking for one thing or two things and maybe they should be looking for five and then you build off of that. It completes your puzzle. I, I know you're going to leave in a little bit. So I want to circle back to asking you a specific question, but I want to address a point that you just brought up because I think it's important. Some people do, you know how you said um, you kind of have to like just work hard and pick a direction to kind of work, work hard. And sometimes I find myself um, leaning when I'm talking to Aiden, my son, saying, hey, if you're going to work hard, you may as well, because I'm trying to think of the advice to yeah. give him. Like, I want him to, like, have his own life and explore his own sure. stuff. Yeah. But if I reflect back on where the hard work has benefited us the most, like, so Nick, you and I, Ruben, we used to work together at Oracle and in, in, mm -hmm. in tech companies. And then Mike, just our adventure together over the last dozen years about now, I, I find myself repeatedly saying, find out what the trends are and direct your hard work in one of those areas. So for for example, when we were in tech, Ruben, when you worked hard, you were probably benefiting from that financially above and beyond what hard work, equal hard work in another industry that had already matured. So like the same hard work you were do, you and I were doing in software sales, if you and I were working the same way in let's say selling some kind of uh, furniture, back to how yeah. you were selling furniture, we would have probably made a fraction of what we were making. So I find myself saying, to, to my own children, hey, if you don't know where you're going to, like what you're gonna love doing in life, keep searching and in the meantime, try to find out what the trends are in the world right now and jump onto those. Because then if I, so tech served us really well and Nick, you were in the tech stuff as, as well. And now over the last 10 years. For like three days. For, no, <laughs> three <you> weeks. <laughs> it was longer, it was yeah, a few yeah. months. Yeah. It was a few months. I'll never forget getting that call from the VP I reported to you saying, Nick just turned down the job offer. You right. told me to make him, what's wrong with you? And I remember trying to think like, you know, cause I, I, I had a relationship, I like this guy. Yeah. And then I was trying to maintain that. And then you're my brother. So I was trying to like say, hey, don't worry. Anyway, well, I remember, remember exactly where I was when I got that call. And he basically said, like, what the hell? Are you, it was are a you, good job, man. Yeah. And he's like, what the hell? Are you like taking this job or what? And um, I remember exactly where I was driving down Winston Churchill. I was in the car. I guess you could still speak on your cell phone at that time because I don't think I had Bluetooth. <laughs> so I probably was speaking on my cell phone. And uh, yeah, I remember having that conversation. For some reason, I was at like the Winston Churchill, Britannia area and I was driving south down there. I, it's funny, like the, those weird little moments. You Sometimes you just remember them. They're life clear. changers. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. No, no. So what I, what I was going to say on that is that uh, over the last 12 years, real estate has been a trend. You know, who knew interest rates were going to be as low as they were going to be? I mean, we kind of talked about it, that they have were going to stay low. And we thought there was going to be a nice trend, but we had no crystal ball and no guarantee to it. But that was a trend over the last 12 years that we all four of us here have benefited greatly. Mm -hmm. So I find myself always asking people, hey, if you don't or always kind of advising, if you don't know the area of life you want to focus on, find a trend that you think is going to go forward. So, for example, maybe it's like esports, you know, maybe it's biotech like the emergence of biology and technology smashed together in some capacity. Yeah, artificial intelligence. Artificial yeah. intelligence. And go into, so even if you're not going to be a computer programmer for artificial intelligence with none of us sitting well, here. So, where, so, then, but so, I was a computer programmer for three months and I almost stabbed myself. I couldn't do that. But anymore. you were talking about sales. Sell robotics. Like, exactly, you know yeah. I mean? like, you don't have to go. And that's was something that I find I didn't know when I was younger. I always thought if if I heard something like artificial intelligence, I would automatically assume, oh my gosh, you have to go into like be a hardcore programmer. But no, maybe you like marketing. Maybe you like sales. Maybe you like operations. You might as well hone your craft in that industry because the trend is going to have more money flowing in that industry. So you'll kind of financially benefit greater faster. Does that make sense? 
So if there's one thing I kind of mix in, it's like the hard work and find the, the trend. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick, I want to I want to circle back to uh, your hard work because uh, you know we've repeated this before, but if you haven't heard, Nick, when he was 21, I think it was, bought your first home to flip, and you were getting up before you went to the region appeal to work, and you were doing all the work like before and after work, and you borrowed our dad's pickup truck. You almost killed our father when he slipped with it. What did he slip with? It was a bag of cement. Was yeah. it ready mix? Yeah. Bag so ready he would have probably been already then almost sixty years old by that time. Yeah, no, maybe fifty-five. Because there was there was snow and then a bunch of freezing rain, so you could actually walk. You know when you can walk on the snow, it's so thick with ice. And he he tells this story every week, right? So he uh, he slipped and he fell sideways down onto the ice, and the um, the bag of ready mix landed right on oh, his chest. Geez. And he's like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, thanks for making me feel bad about it. Yeah, yeah, free family labor. But uh, I was waking up at that time. I was waking up, but uh, so I was early twenties or twenty one. Uh, waking up about five thirty, getting my dad's pickup truck, going to that house, loading up the garbage from the night before, driving to the Britannia dump, waiting for the dump to open in the center lane. I'll never forget. I was waiting in the center lane when the Britannia dump was still open. I was like falling asleep, half falling asleep. They would open the gates. I'd pull in, empty out the truck, drive back home, give my dad the truck because he had to go to his construction business, right? He needed the pickup truck, get my car, drive to work, come home, stop on the way home to at the gym, and then go to the and then go to the house again. Yeah, that was uh, all for, and you know at the end of the day how much money I made? So look, there's lessons there. <laughs> at the end of the day, I made 4,000 bucks, about 4,000, it was just under, I think, but it was like, I, I round up because it makes me feel better. About 4,000 bucks in profit after all that work and risk and everything. <laughs> was it four? I tell people 3,500. I thought it was like I think it was like 37 or okay. something, but I just round, it just sounds, bet four makes me feel better about myself. <laughs> and, and you know what we did when Nick did that? I think I remember when he was telling me that, that we calculated that there was a McDonald's at like Lakeshore and Cothra in that area. If he had just worked at the McDonald's, the same amount of hours he would have made more money oh, but the lesson i don't think i calculated that i think tom as the as the big brother wanted to point that out to me <laughs> hey, no, Nick, no, but I, you know what i figured something else you should hear should no i don't think i wanted dollars. to be an asshole about no, it I, I think i just remember thinking hmm, i think they made him in more money make i can't speak today make more money well, at mcdonald's i was at it at the in it at the time and at that time there was a demand for it workers technology kind of wave and stuff and i could have easily worked extra hours and made made substantially more money but the lessons that you know the path that set me on the lessons were were invaluable you know so um something uh something that comes up a lot in i find goal setting books or goal setting magazines is often i created also mike i also created a vision board like oh, did it, you? yeah mm-hmm. in my own personal kind of development i always at the beginning anyway it focused on uh, tony robbins and like les hewitt and mark canfield so, nick you're out of here okay nick's taking off um and it led to like a creating a vision board. I have something on my vision board still because a bunch of stuff magically seems to have come true, which right. is weird. I, it, sometimes I'm like, do I even admit that? Because yeah. then, you know, someone's going to think you just make a vision board and it kind of excludes all the hard work that yeah. went into that. But there's a picture of a house that is in Hawaii with no walls on the external walls. And it's a beautiful roof and it's got like a fire pit in the middle of it with an, a ro- an opening to the roof in the middle there. So I guess the flame, the smoke can get out. But the rest of the house is all like you know, kind of enclosed bedrooms, but the exterior of the house is almost like wide open. I don't know how to fully kind of describe this, but it's just this beautiful house overlooking the the water. It's been tacked up on this vision board that I have like basically buried away in my basement somewhere at this point. But I'm always wondering, I'm like, hmm, is that one going to come true too? Like, <laughs> I don't have the Hawaii house now. Like, what's what's the problem, Vision Board? <laughs> like, where is this Hawaii house? How come I don't have the Hawaii house? But uh, but something I wanted to mention is that 
What I didn't gather from my own personal development is that it often led me to focus on the things to get instead of the person I needed to become for sure to earn those things. Mm. And I now know that the moment you decide to become the person that earns those things, you almost automatically set the forces in motion to achieve anything you want in life. And for mm. me, that specifically started when I decided to live by principles. And the three principles for me in my 20s that I figured out for myself were I'm always going to do the right thing no matter what. I'm always going to give 110% and I'm always going to treat others as I treat myself. Right? And when I kind of started living by those three principles, anytime I would stray off to make a decision that maybe wasn't right, the do the right thing principle of all of them always corrected course immediately. So for example, if there was like a, a way to make an extra $500 on a sales commission, but it wasn't the right thing to do, I would always, I'm trying to think if I should use the word always, because I'm sure it were like there were sometimes I wasn't like perfect on this by any means, but I guess the vast majority of time I would always go to defaulting to giving the $500 back or calling it out and making sure that the right thing was happening. And whenever I started living like that, I noticed so many more things falling into place for me and taking kind of massive steps forward in, in my accomplishments. Does that sound ridiculous when I say it out loud? No, nope. not at all. Yeah, do you, so what are your thoughts when I said, do you guys kind of believe in that kind of thing? Like becoming, you know, becoming the person to earn what you want kind of automatically guarantees that you're going to get what you want? I don't know if I'm being clear on this. No, I, I, I get it. Um, just I grab the mic. Sorry, just keeps on moving. We'll just hold it. My arm will get tired. <laughs> <laughs> Is that me complaining? No, you're good. Yeah, so I agree with that. Um, I also think that on the flip side, if on that vision board you see those things and you feel that that you truly believe that you're going to get them, that the way you think and the way you act will also change. That will also align you with those principles, right? So it's a combination of both. I, I don't I, if because I don't have those same guiding principles that I'm conscious of. Right. But, but yeah, but I've seen you operate your yeah, life by principles. And, 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 but again, I don't have a, a, all I'm just saying is that I don't have them defined the way you do, but I still operate under the same type of principles. But it, I think part of it is just knowing what I what I want to accomplish and who I want to be. And then that'll kind of put my behavior in line with that. Right. So but I like I, I like the way you broke it down, though. Sounds a lot better. You know, well, no, I don't, I can't take credit for it. You know where I heard that? Where's that? It was at Oracle. Oh, was it? It was one of the sales meetings. Yeah. They played like a, a video of some uh, Hall of Famer football coach. Okay. And he said, these are the principles our football team can live by. Nice. And I remember hearing the principles uh -huh. going, uh, principles, thinking, I think those are the principles I want to live right. by. <laughs> I basically stole my life's <laughs> principles from some movie. <laughs> anyway. You don't even know the title. They really worked really well. No, no. I don't. No. But I think the coach was Lou Holtz. I think it was a Notre Dame oh, coach. Actually, I remember that. Do you remember it? I do, yep. It was like a really good yeah, inspirational. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was a bit in our 20s sometime. Um, and then something else that has really been important is I kind of have figured out through my own experimentation with personal development, I'd like to get your thoughts on this, that my morning, my habits kind of create my future. So if, if I have principles that I live by and then I have the right habits on a day-to-day -day basis, um, I'll kind of get what I want. And for me, one of the habits that I've always chosen to live by, um, not always, I guess it's been since I went out 
and quit uh, my corporate job was that not a single day would go by without me doing one thing that would earn me future business. And what I mean by that is that I'm not doing something to earn me money today. I'm not trying to close a deal with someone today to make money today. It would be one proactive thing, whether it was like writing an article, sending a thank you card to somebody, like just something that would possibly earn me future business. And I would never let a single day go by without me doing that thing. And it was like almost like putting deposits into my own future. And for me, having that habit has forced me to do all these things that I don't feel like doing. So like, you know, uh, making another video for one of our websites or another blog post or an article or an email follow up or something. But that is like a habit that I can see has paid off greatly over the last 12 years. Um, do you, I'm, I'm, and I feel like I'm putting you guys on the spots, but do you guys have any morning routine habits or any habits that you, you know you're operating at a high level when you do those kinds of things? Well, for me, it's physical activity. So I, I have a habit. First thing I do when I get up in the morning is, is go to the gym. Um, I find that keeps me energetic, very clear, um, and it just makes me feel like I've already accomplished something early. I find that if I try doing it later on in the evening, um, it's much harder for me to commit to. So, and then from that, it's like coming back, I do meditate. Um, there's a the meditation I do, it's called this six phase meditation. So the idea of meditating is to not think of anything. And, but I, it, for me, it's just hard to kill 20 minutes and not being productive. So there's a, a process that I go through. Um, and then it's going right into work. So. I don't have like, um, you know, I, I remember at one point in time, I thought it was the most amazing thing. I'd, I'd break out like a to-do list and put it out in four quadrants, you know, things that are urgent and important. And it, 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 that definitely helped guide me to be more productive during the day. But that kind of dropped off the wayside. Um, so that's all I'm doing for now. Why, yeah. why do you think the morning workout, what, what is it about that just sends you, sets you mentally straight? It does, yeah, because it, it immediately makes me feel like, okay, You've I've accomplished, a, I've accomplished something. something that would typically be very hard to get done during the day, and I also enjoy doing it, so it makes it very easy for me to get up. So I think sometimes we make, two things, we make things too hard on ourselves, so if we're trying to do st certain things, all we need to know is like, you know, start off with something that you enjoy doing, and then get, it gets the momentum going on to the next thing and on to the next thing, so... Um, yeah. And then when you, so you've identified that that works really well for you. If you get away from that, cause we all naturally get away from like different things that work well. Um, then what you just make, you kind of force yourself back into that habit again. Cause I'm sure you drift off from that. I do. And I, I find that when I do is that my productivity starts to really lag even more. Right. Um, cause from there then it's like, okay, it's maybe sitting around watching a bit of TV in the morning or looking at social media or something like that. Right. Um, but if I'm forced to pretty much get up, get out of the house, and uh, and then come back, I'm coming back with a different state of mind, right? Mike, what what about for you? Do you is there a certain kind of situation where you're just like, wow, when I'm in this flow, this is the, it's it, things are working out well for me, or is it all over yeah. the map? There's I'm no right answer. Yeah, so. yeah, I'm still old school with the paper-based planner. So I already bought the 2020 planner, and I'll write a lot of things in there that I have to do for 2020. And a lot of that will involve, you know, I'm I'm specifically carving out time for the gym because I find if I don't go to the gym I think it's just the chemical releases and whatnot that I just don't feel as good 
Um, and then I go in and out of, of different things. I've tried uh, the five minute journal, the productivity planner. Um, it almost seems like I need different things at different times. So mm, that's a good way to put it. I'm like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'll come back, I'll, you know, I'll shelf it for a while, then I'll come back to it. But I like the, the five minute journal. Cause that's, you start off the day being grateful. Um, I like the productivity planner, but my paper based planner is also sort of a productivity planner anyway. So I, I'm already, already planned the day ahead. So I know what kind type of follow up I have to be uh, do, what kind of uh, seeking to do, whether it be with builders or different opportunities. So um, if, yeah, I, I never stray from that though. That that paper based planner is my biggest. So asset. when you get an electronic calendar invite, you'll accept the invite I still and will. then you'll write it in your. But I still will, write yeah. it in your calendar. Yeah. So yeah. that that is your life. That is yeah. And the productivity planner and the five minute journal. If you're listening to this, I forget the Toronto based company that puts those out. But if you just Google five minute, uh, sorry, productivity planner or five minute journal, you can get like examples of those mm-hmm. things on their websites. They're pretty pretty handy. Yeah. Okay. Um, the next thing I wanted to ask you guys was this. You know, when I would listen to the Tony Robbins tapes in my car, there's a certain group of my friends that would totally make fun of me for listening to that kind of stuff. So I just didn't even bring it up with them. Um, that's the way I handled it. And I'm curious, uh, you know, did you did you have friends who heard you playing these audio cassettes in your car? For some reason, Ruben, mm-hmm. I just think of you with some little T-shirt on. <laughs> That hair, that long hair you used to have with your, didn't you have T-bars on your car or something? What car did you drive in high school? Oh, in high school? Yeah, yeah. I know you listened to Tony Robbins after high school. Oh, yeah. That was way on. That was like Oracle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, in high school. school. Didn't you have an IROC or something? No. What was it? I had a a Mazda MX-6 GT Turbo. (laughs) And you're just shaking your head at the IROC? No, because the IROC was very much like a Geno-type mobile, right? (laughs) Right? Where I, I had a, it was an imported car. It did, it did not. You look like a classic Gino. I know, but I had, I literally had, it was the import, which did not suit my personality, right? <laughs> so. Um, so, sorry. Where were we? Yeah, when, so when people, you're in your 20s um, and you people were listening to this or heard this in your car, what did you, did you just like dismiss it or what did you do? Yeah, I think that's even to today too. If you mention it, some people are just not into that. And hmm. Yeah, I think that's fine. Every different things get different people going. I think. Yeah, I think a lot of times when I, you don't, I don't tell people right unless they ask, and I'm very open with it. But when you're kind of volunteer it, like and it's unsolicited, it almost feels like it becomes religious, right? And you're trying to fix yeah, you're somebody. Yeah, feeding it. Yeah, you're trying, yeah, yeah. Um, but. What I did for selfish reasons, like with my kids and family members, is as I would learn lessons in those, and I didn't have tapes, I had CDs, let's see, because it was later. Mm -hmm. As I listened to those lessons in those CDs, what I did selfishly is I would then go share it with my kids or my wife, right? Um, Or a close friend or something like that, just to reinforce that idea, right? Um, And then eventually they realized that I wasn't doing it for them, I was doing it for me. (laughs) But uh, yeah, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't volunteer and just tell anybody, you know. I have a this thing on uh, personal development is I never look at it as an expense in my life. I always look at it as an investment into myself. And the most ridiculous example of that is probably a box of tapes I bought from Robert Allen for about $5,000. I think I've told you this story before, but mm-hmm. it was I convinced Carol we had just gotten married, just moved into our first house. We didn't have this. We didn't have a dining room table. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we had missing furniture in the house and I uh, we had a bit of 
extra money and I, I think the majority of it was probably $5,000 that was liquid and I asked uh, Carol if it was okay if I could go buy these Robert Allen tapes and I don't know how she supported me through the years on some of these things but literally a box of tapes arrives at my front door and all of the real estate education in there was stuff I already knew. Like there wasn't a new thing in that $5,000 but there was one little sliver of tapes that was explaining how to speak effectively in front of a group and about a month in the future I was going to speak in front of 300 people at Oracle and and Ruben I don't know if you remember this but it was a talk that was explaining um, I think it was Mark I, I forget which guys asked me to do the talk but a bunch of guys asked me to speak in front of about 300 people at a bowling alley we were all there at this bowling alley. I think it was planted bowl in Eglinton there and uh, it was to explain what it was like to make the you know the sales what was it? No, it was like to make your sales quote and go to club. Remember okay. I had that, that club where you went to and I had to give that talk and I listened to those tapes for about a whole month before giving that talk and I used a lot of the things I learned from that talk and after I gave that talk, I had such good feedback of like, oh my gosh, you know, you made people laugh and you called people out and you used these stories and examples and it just gave me such confidence that it kind of put me on this path of feeling very comfortable speaking in front of people. Mm-hmm. And so that $5,000, as ridiculous as it sounds to spend on a box of tapes, it kind of changed my life from just a bunch of little tapes that were stuck in the middle of that. I don't even know why I'm sharing that with you guys now. It's just always stuck. <laughs> no, it's, it's always stuck. I'm just sharing because I know it sounds so ridiculous, but it was like a changing point, uh, a turning point in my life for me. And the tapes I couldn't listen to in my car because my car had a CD player, but these were tapes. So I had to go to Zeller's and buy a ghetto blaster with batteries and I put it on the passenger seat of my car and I put the tapes in the ghetto blaster. So when people would go out for lunch at Oracle, um, I, they would always ask like why I had a ghetto blaster in the car and I would always just kind of dismiss it. I'm like, oh, I'm just listening to some stuff and I would put it in the back seat and not kind of pay any attention. So I kind of hit it a little bit. I think I was a bit embarrassed by it. Should have had a piece of cardboard in the back seat and say you were a break dancer. <laughs> oh my god mike I, I i don't know if you know the story i think mike knows this story so for those of you who don't know when uh ruben was actually my sales manager oh, at, at oracle and and we had to we were selling into the u.s at one point and uh we had to work we had to work canadian thanksgiving because it wasn't a u.s thanksgiving and we were based in here in mississauga but we we're selling into the u.s so you somehow thought it was a great idea for us to all work on the canadian thanksgiving and us being hardworking team, we decided it was going to work. And you thought, and you said this, I'll never forget this, Mike. He goes, as a reward for you guys working on the Canadian Thanksgiving, I'm going to bring in my BMX bike and we'll have a break in the middle of the day and we'll go in the parking lot and I'll show you guys some tricks. <laughs> oh my God. And one of the tricks was having like three or four of how many of us lay down? He I got can't. like three or four of us to lay down like freaking sausages all in a row. And then he like bunny hopped over us. <laughs> This is what what our sales manager was giving us as the reward for working on a Canadian holiday. I'll never forget that as long as I live. Anyway, I would remember that manager, though. Yeah, no, you're right. You did go down. It's a pretty legendary manager. You had the best sales team. You had a killer sales team. They they uh, had a good manager. Um, So, yeah. So someone who might be listening to this trying to find out their own journey. Or Mike, actually, your kids. Yeah. What do you think? Have you given any thought? What are you going to tell your kids about finding their own path in life? Is it just going to be hard work and, you know, explore? Super good question. I have, I I feel some of the greatest books written in my house that that need to be still cracked open by myself. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I think social media is a blessing and a curse at the same time. Because looking back back then, 
um, yeah, there was Tony Robbins, Jim Rohn. There wasn't really many people out there, but the people that were out there were the real deal. It wasn't easy to get a, a book published back then. Now, anybody can produce content, whether it be video, audio, uh, books. People are self-writing, self-publishing. It's going to be interesting. So I think I'm going to refer them back to the books that I have in our library because that's the real deal. That stuff there, I think more now than ever, people are just regurgitating and summarizing some of the great classics, but they're missing the nitty gritty. Yeah, so that's it's a good gonna, point. It's, yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough one. Big, yeah, and that's a, that's a really good, you're, yeah. you're right, because I think we are seeing like a surface level regurgitation of some amazing stuff that if you just go a little deeper, can change your life. Because I'm having flashbacks to all of Dale Carnegie's books. That's like exactly how to, were you? That was my how, to, book. how to win friends and influence and people. people. Yeah. That book, that book changed mm-hmm. me, man. That yeah. book was amazing. I haven't read it in years. Oh. And I and I have a feeling the English it was written in was a little older English, mm-hmm. so it was a little difficult to read, but uh, not not excessively difficult, mm-hmm. but Think and Grow Rich yeah. um, by Napoleon Hill was, mm-hmm. a, was a great one. All of Tony Robbins' stuff was a great one. I loved the, um, I think you pronounce his name Ogmandino, mm-hmm. that he yeah. wrote books like The Greatest the Salesman in the, in the World, world. Yeah. The Richest Man in Babylon. Mm-hmm. Uh, those books were just kind of blow my mind kind of yeah. books. A newer one would be The Power of Focus, by Les Hewitt, Mark Canfield, and um, Jack, who am I, Mark Canfield? No, Jack Canfield and Mark Victor Hansen. Okay. Uh, the Power of Focus, that book was freaking amazing. Ruben, you me- mentioned the quadrants. Um, those quadrants I stuck with for like about five years. That had a huge impact mm-hmm. on my life. The yeah. Seven Habits of Highly Effective that People. That was a good book, right. yeah. So yeah, there's all yeah. these books out there that are like classics that mm-hmm. I wonder if with social media, it's so easy to watch like a two minute video instead. I think it's, yeah. but maybe, maybe they get the information faster that way or it gets to the point sooner. I don't know. I think mm-hmm. if, it, if it comes too easy, you just kind of take it for granted and you don't, you don't grab it and basically embrace it. Right. Um, as before it wasn't available as much. So if you found a good book, right. Or a mentor, you would just basically take that and you would, it, it was, and know how precious it was, and you, you know, definitely take it to the full advantage. But right now, I could be at home listening to something on YouTube, and it's a great piece of advice, but there's so much information, I'm like, huh, that was good. And it just doesn't digest, right? It just move on to the next thing, right? And I think that's what a lot of the newer generation is, is encountering as well. And I think one of the things, and we'll wrap it up here, but in one of the things that I think comes to mind for me is that when you are getting advice from anyone, I always now look at the source. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to be judgmental by that by any means. I just mean if someone's going to criticize me, because we get a ton of criticism about social stuff we put out on mm-hmm. different social platforms. People are very happy to critique us. Yeah. Um, but uh, I always look at the source. Like what have they accomplished where they're able to kind of judge me in that fashion? And if I can't really come up with anything good, I kind of dismiss the opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the only way I can keep myself sane. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you you can take people's critiques of your own life really personally, and it affects you, especially with all the social media, Mike, when it is so people to, so easy to judge people online and post comments kind of online. Right, right, right? for sure. Um, thanks, guys. This was a little bit of an experiment. We didn't have a plan. We just sat down and hit record. So I appreciate you guys sharing this stuff. Ruben, any last things to, to share? We're good? We're we'll good. get the, we'll get the mic fixed for you next time, dude. Awesome. We'll talk about your use. Look, mic got the better mic. No, you got a good <laughs> mic, dude. Thanks, guys. 
Hey everybody, so hopefully you enjoyed that chat. I think I have an idea based on that, how to structure these going forward. So um, if you have any feedback for us, please always, you can send it into podcast at rockstarinnercircle.com. That's podcast at rockstarinnercircle.com. And if you'd like any real estate investing information, the best place is always to go to rockstarinnercircle.com. That's www.rockstarinnercircle.com. That's it for this time. Until next time, your life, your terms.